Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. For those of you who are with us live, this is our Friday edition, and we're so happy you're here. Um, my name is Sean Benson, and we're going to jump right in with Sensei McCall tonight. Um, Sensei, I was looking, you know, basically your, your website for McMaster and your teaching there, and I really love the languaging in it. It basically said you've developed over 50 black belts, and I love that wording, and I want to ask you, what does it mean to develop a black belt? Well, I think all of us know you you have to do so many you have to learn all the techniques all the all the different uh, uh, physical attributes that you require to get to that level but i think we also know that there's a psychological and a mental approach uh, to karate and when they write their essay that's a that's a very as big enough uh, part of their exam for a shodan uh, as as a physical exam um, I think a lot of times we read into what the student's doing. We can see what they're doing physically, but we've got to know what's going on in their head as well, because that, that's what really makes, uh, takes you from the Q belt to the black, uh, to the Dan rankings. And that's what I mean by development. And each person develops differently, depending on their physical abilities or psychological uh, makeup and, uh, you know, where they want to go in karate. Because we, we know now that uh, karate has changed dramatically from its original uh, beginnings in Okinawa. And there's so many variations, derivations of karate. I mean, there's people that come to the dojo to train uh, for physical, re for health reasons, for self-defense reasons, for artistic reasons. Some people come for social reasons, to meet other people and, and engage. So the dojo becomes a microcosm uh, where uh, all different types of people come and meet and mingle together. And that, that's what I love about the dojo itself is that this microcosm um, develops you in different ways. You meet different people. You, you borrow with different people, different physical attributes, different abilities. Um, and that's what's really what happens. You develop more, not just as a martial artist, but as a human being. Oh, that's my development aspect of it. I love that. And, you know, especially what you said about the essay. So what are you looking for? I mean, is there something you can pinpoint where you you're reading, let's say, an essay and you're looking at the mind of somebody who's thinking of going from Q to Dan ranks? Is there something well, you need to see? Yeah, you definitely. I mean, in, in the Shodan uh, essay, it's what karate means to you or to to uh, uh, to that person doing the ranking. And you'll get different things. I mean, people want to learn as I say, there's people approach the dojo, go come into the dojo as they want to learn to fight. They want to learn to, to the artistic, uh, the history side of karate. Um, and so you look at this and you're sort of, sort of putting the person, the physical person you see in front of you to the mental uh, output in the, in the essay. So, I mean, I'm always looking for something that's going to move forward, not something that's going to sort of, I want to be a fighter. I want to, kick the living daylight out of everybody I see that gives me a rough time. I want that, you know, I want somebody, I, somebody that, uh, that uh, says, uh, comes forward to me with the approach that, uh, and I think, I think um, Sensei um, uh, from Cal, uh, who just passed away recently, uh, uh, he said to me, he said, be as hard as the world makes you and be as soft as the world allows you. And that really 
sums up what I want to see, in, especially in a showdown, right? Mm. Someone that's, that has that flexibility, that bend, that can uh, adapt all the time. Was that Sensei Merriman? It uh, was Sensei Merriman, exactly. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and he, he, he was that very type of person. I mean, he was an amazing technical martial artist. At the same time, he was a, he was a great gentleman. And a real person, when you met him, he was just like, he was open to you. Any question you asked, he'd give you the answer. He'd, he'd do the best for you all the time. I was just always amazed every time I met him. Um, I'm writing down so many things right now because I can't wait to crack into a few of these. Uh, there's a couple I want to come back to, but I want to I want to go around the horn to get us started here because, I, you know, we've talked a lot in, in recent episodes about what it means to be a black belt. But that's why I love the word develop you use. So we'll start with you, Hunchy Legacy, and then you, Sensei Dauphin. Um, what does it mean to develop a black belt to each of you versus what does it mean to be one? Well, that's, it's an entirely different skill, you know? Like when we learn karate, we, if we're just going to do karate for ourselves, you can just use the five pinons, et cetera, but you, you learn the entire styles because you want to give back. So uh, it's just the process of helping someone else reach their goals within the martial arts. Yeah, I think about it, Sean, is in there's there's really, at least in Legacy Shorter, there's seven cues, right? There's seven steps, seven tests. And I'm never thinking about getting somebody to a yellow belt. I'm trying to think about getting them to a black belt, right? Mm -hmm. Getting a yellow belt is just one of those steps. It's already kind of lined out what you need to do to get to a black belt. The, the system's already there. And I think it's up to the sensei to not think of it as, hey, you got a yellow belt. We achieved something here. Um, that's great. Like, I mean, I think yellow belt is great. People get a yellow belt. I just was talking to my partner, Christine, about it, who is Robert's student. And I said, like, it's cool to see somebody get a yellow belt, but I'm always thinking beyond that to, okay, you got the first one, you got the first rung down. How do we get to the next rung? How do we get to the next rung? How do I help you get to the next rung? And it's all laid out. By the time you've trained for five to eight years, you've heard me say it, Sean, it's a meat grinder, right? It doesn't matter what meat you put in the grinder. You could put veal, you could put pork, you could put whatever you want, and then you start turning the handle. And in the end, ground meat comes out and it all looks the same and it's all the same. And that's what the black belt is, right? You put them in the meat grinder and you keep turning the handle and then they become black belts, right? Yep. I really love that. And I think about that with the car racing. Like if you look where you are or even a little ahead, your back gets a little skittish. You look down the road to your next turn and your back just settles and you intuitively make the right corrections. Um, Sensei Suino, difference between being and developing a black belt? Well, developing makes me think of the process, right? It's just like Randy was saying, there's a number of ranks. People have to learn material for their ranks. I was actually just thinking about this tonight. Uh, uh, we've got a big group of folks getting ready to test in judo in a couple of weeks. And um, it, it's a little relentless. You know, the last two months before tests, they go through their test material over and over and over and mm. over and over. And um, when they balk, I often point to one of the black belts and I say, look over there at, at Richard or Brett or Dan Holland. I go, 
are they great martial artists? And they go, yeah. And I go, are, are, you know, and, and where are you? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm a white belt getting ready to be a green belt or, or whatever. Right. The, 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 the process is there as, as Randy said, it's, it's set forth. You have to engage in it. And part of what happens is you change as a, as a person, right? You change technically, but you change as a person as well. And it's not always obvious. I'm pretty sure Sensei McCall sees this. It's not always obvious to the people who are coming through that system, where they're going to end up, what kind of ground meat they're going to be when they come out the other end. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sensei McCall, there's, there's something, there's one thing I want to get to, and then a new question for everybody, but you, you mentioned, you know, um, because karate's changed drastically and you sort of talked about back in the original Okinawan days, and we've talked about this a lot on this show. I'd love to know your perspective on how karate's changed since its inception and talk as much about what you consider that to be. And also since you started martial arts, if you can bridge those times for us in your thinking. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll start, uh, in my era when I started and I'll pose a secondary question to, uh, Sensei Legacy. Um, I, I watched some of the Olympic karate, the kumite and, and the kata, but the kumite in particular. And then I, I thought back to uh, 70s, late 60s, 70s, 80s, um, and the kumite in tournaments then. Um, what I saw, I what I saw in my time, right, when I was on in tournaments and so forth, I saw a more exciting style of karate in that the competitors seemed to be fighting to win whereas i watched the olympic and i'm not taking anything away from the olympic competitors their speed their timing their distancing is unbelievable far better than it's 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 getting to a point where it's just amazing but i see them fighting not to lose mm -hmm. um where in back in the 70s 80s those guys were out there, those competitors were out there, they fought to win. And it was a much more, I feel, it was a much more exciting style of kumite. And I sort of throw that out to Sensei Legacy because he's been on that floor uh, much longer than I have. So I don't know if you see the same thing in that early time, uh, 70s, 80s uh, tournaments versus the the tournament while well, the Olympics now and some of the other there's the, the big world uh, series that goes on in karate as well but uh, yeah I just like to fire that for that section of the, your question mm -hmm. you, what do you think well you know fighting I, to win or yeah that's a, a good way of putting it it's more exciting when both people are fighting to win and not yeah just doing enough to win you know and in our day, if you remember back, we never wore equipment. If <laughs> yeah. you were, it was a mouthpiece. I had my hands all scarred from roundhouse kicks and yeah. and everything. But again, I think uh, karate was pure at that time because it was empty-handed. You just yeah. faced the other guy with your skill. You had been through a lot. And, uh, you know, you fought guys... Uh, like uh, Tony Facetti, Rick Joslin. I never fought Wally Stokey in a fight, thank goodness. <laughs> and, you know, and things like that. But uh, 
the fighters there were like unique, strong, powerful. They really represented karate, you know, yeah. arts. And yeah, it was exciting because just of what you said, they fought. Yeah. Yeah, nothing was going to stop them. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it was, it was a sense of pride as well. It wasn't looking at the, all the trophies on the, the trophy table. It was, they wanted to, if they got to that stage of winning first place, great, but they wanted to account themselves extremely well. And I think there was an energy there. Um, and again, I think it was, as I said before, I think it, they, they were fighting to win uh, more than now I see them fighting not to lose. They don't want to, you know, they want to, progress forward. But if we move back to uh, um, what, how karate has changed, um, coming out of Okinawa to Japan, of course, Japanese lengthened it because they were now putting it into universities. The stances were longer, so they, because they had 200, 300 students in front of them, they were up on a stage, um, they lengthened the stances out. I think the original intent uh, of karate in Okinawa was sort of, it sort of started to get, get away as it went to Japan. And then when it spread worldwide, it's changed dramatically. And then Kitchen Funakoshi said, as the world changes, karate must change as well. So, I mean, none of it's bad. I mean, mm -hmm. people who want to do tournaments, great. People want to do just the artistic aspect or the history, historical aspect, or just the health aspect. It's all good. And I, and I think, uh, I think Sean, you said there was uh, when I believe it was with uh, uh, either Conroy or uh, uh, Clayton that you felt that this was a new resurgence this time in karate, and I think it is. I think I think more mm -hmm. people are, are interested in the art and are taking the art than ever before, and there are just as I say, so many different variations. Um, myself, I like. Uh, and I'm teaching more now towards the practical side of karate, um, which means if you go back to uh, Okinawa, um, the Rikuan Kingdom where it started, um, it was it was an art designed and developed to protect you against ruffians and villains, right? Uh, not necessarily to win, but to survive and get away, sort of thing. So. And I like that aspect, taking the bunkai and, and developing flow systems with it, or flow training and doing live, uh, live practice with it, um, all those things. So I really like that. And I do like watching some of the contemporary things as well uh, and tournaments. As, as uh, Randy knows, I was used to go to Dave's tournament, uh, Tchaikovsky's tournament every year, head referee. Uh, and I really enjoy that. I, watch, I enjoy watching the students uh, change, you know, that psychological change where they're a little timid when they get on the floor, mm. whether it be kata, kabuto, or weapons, or kumite, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they have find this internal power, this the self-confidence. That I really love to watch happen. And if, as I say, for where it came from, to where it is today, it has changed. It has to change because the world changed. I mean, we have better health systems. We have better training systems. All these different things, they make karate better. They make this karateka better themselves. Right on. Sensei Dofa, I know you had something you wanted to ask. 
Yeah, I have a question. I guess it's uh, it's mostly for Sense of McCall and Sense of Legacy, which is when I think of Olympic karate, the offense I don't think is a lot different than what I've seen. Like if I, to me, it's the defensive principles that have changed a lot. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not trying to be, again, like I want to be respectful to people who are amazing Olympic athletes, but to me, it seems like it's a distance game and it's a running game and they try and stay away from each other. Whereas when I look at things from the seventies, eighties and nineties, it was about how do you impose your will on another person and you use your defense to do that. You use your block on the way in to be able to land those techniques and you often see both people coming in. Whereas when I watch the Olympic karate, it's one person's moving out as one person's trying to track them down. And I, I just would, I would welcome to hear if Sensei McCall or Sensei Legacy feels differently about the defensive side of Olympic karate. Sensei McCall, do you have any comments about that? Well, I, I think if you go back, um, <laughs> and I, I hate to say the old days or the, the past, but those earlier tournaments, I think you saw a lot more Ayuchis where there's simultaneous blows. They were, they were, they were, no one was backing up. No one was. And I, and I go back again to say in the Olympics, their distancing and timing and speed is unbelievable. Right. But before we would just say, line up, bow, and I'm coming in. If you can't stop this, I'm scoring. Right. And I'm, that's the way it was. I'm going to put this punch into your chest and I'm going to get the point, right? And if you, that's the way they, that's the mental outlook that the fighters had there. And it, again, I think it was, they were looking to win, not looking to be safe and not lose. I, 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 that's where I see it as a major difference right now. I agree with that fully. Another way of saying it is, when you bowed on that line and you set yourself into that fight, that fighting stance, the fight was between your shoulders and your opponents. It wasn't mm -hmm. in running around the ring. You yeah. wanted to, mm -hmm. you went straight in. You either had the skill or you, well, most of the people did, but that makes you even work harder on your skills. It's more yeah. exciting. It's more dangerous. It's classical karate. Yes. And if you lost, there was no, there was no shame in losing. I mean, he beat me, he hit me, he scored the point. Um, it was a hard punch. You know, I think you see a lot harder punches. I know there was one uh, uh, Kumite match, I think it was for the gold medal in the Olympics, where the gentleman threw a sidekick and the guy went down and he was down. I don't think it was that hard to knock him down. Maybe I'm, yeah, you, got you know, but anyway, he got disqualified, and the guy that was lying on the floor won the gold medal. Now, I was always, oh, Sensei Kim always said, Sensei Warren always said, you can tell the winner from the loser because the winner's still standing and the loser's down. I'm going to ask this guy, well, you got first a gold. Tell us about your win. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> right yeah. so so um, let's say yeah. copeland chimed in and said uh i've had his punch in the middle of my chest your punch in the middle of his chest and i do want to say one thing when we were all talking about this 
I remember Sensei Copeland, a number of the Legacy Chardonnay students were going to the World Championships and he was coaching them. He was the coach of that team. And he said, look, you are going to get hit. Like you're going to get hit. It's not that you're not going to get hit, but make sure you hit first and make yeah. sure you hit most and make sure you hit last. It's not, you're going to get hit though. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, I think that's also is one of the problems from my point of view in the Olympics was that they didn't want to show it, show it as a violent sport. Right. And unfortunately, if we go back to the beginning, that's what it had to be, right? Because it was gonna, mm -hmm. if you, you're, you're gonna either survive or you're not gonna survive. And the only way to survive is hit them as hard as you can so you can run away or protect your family or whatever the case may be. And uh, so now it becomes sort of a, they want it to look clean. I don't think it can ever be clean, right? I mean, uh, when you fight, you're not in these elongated stances, you're in natural postures, you're moving, you're turning your hips naturally. Um, when we do kihon in the, in the, in the basics, in the, in the dojo, we do these sort of freeze frame zenkuchidachis with an oizuki, right? But that, that, that's not going to happen in a, in a, in kumite, in, in an actual fight. So, I mean, we have to teach those things so the stances are understood and the technique is understood. But um, as you progress, you leave those stances and you start to develop natural postures. And that's the way you fight. So I don't know. I, I really, I like watching the Olympics. I was glad karate was in the Olympics. Um, it was a little sanitized for me, so. Mm -hmm. I just to put a little button on that. I was thinking about what you said the other week, Hanshi, a fight avoided is a fight won. And I was talking to my students about if you're not fighting, go home and celebrate your win. And if you have <laughs> to fight, it's because there's no other choice. So do your work and leave or wait for the police. But don't move around and spar with them. And I love what you two are talking about with this. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. Um, God damn, I love our new format. This is so exciting. We could just chat all night, but we want you to know who you're chatting with and also that you can be a part of this show. Uh, my name's Sean Benson. I'm one of your hosts, and it is my privilege every single time, and especially with our new format, uh, my privilege is extended to introduce my teachers on this call who are the co-hosts of Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. Uh, Sensi Randy Dofang, he's my direct instructor. He's a seventh degree black belt in Legacy Shorenru, as well as Hakatsuru White Crane, and a fourth degree black belt in Muso Jikiden Ishin Ryu. His uh, teachers in karate is Hanshi Legacy, and in sword is Sensei Suino. Sensei Suino is an eighth degree black belt in Iaido, uh, and he also founds and runs the Japanese Martial Arts Center, as well as being a sixth degree black belt in Judo and jiu-jitsu and Hanshi Legacy is the founder of Legacy Shorenru. He's a 10th degree black belt as well as a 10th degree black belt in White Crane as well as being a black belt in Sword. Sensei Dolphin, I hand it to you to introduce our guest tonight. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Sean. Listen, I'm super excited to introduce Sensei McCall. I'm, if you wonder why I'm leaning in on the camera, it's because I always have some written notes on the, the screen here. So I'm going to say a bunch of stuff about Sensei McCall. So Sensei McCall's karate journey began at the age of 24 down at the Delta Club here in Hamilton. 
a club which the McMaster Dojo still holds close ties with, and he's the instructor at McMaster for 40 years, uh, 40 plus years. Uh, Sensei has studied and become proficient in Gojuru Karate, uh, Kabuto, and Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, he's had many travels, and they've taken him to places like Thailand to study Muay Thai kickboxing, uh, to train in Japan at the Budokan with Goshi Yamaguchi, and to Argentina to demonstrate at the World Karate Championships. Told you, Sensei McCall, you're not a total enigma on the internet. We can still find stuff about you. Okay. Um, uh, Sensei McCall has developed well over 50 quality black belts. Quality, I think, is the key word there. Quality black belts and has been well-known, outstanding instructor for over 40 years at McMaster. Um, he took over that McMaster dojo in 1984. Uh, when we were doing the, I've, every experience I've had with Sensei McCall has been positive, personally, everyone. Um, the last time I talked to him, he said, Randy, just call me Phil. And I said, no, I'm not going to call you <laughs> Phil. I'm going to call you Sensei. Um, and I told him that in the marketing, we called him O-Sensei. We, we called him O-Sensei McCall. And I got uh, a message from Hanshi Cesar Burkowski who said, um, Randy, how do you define O-Sensei? And I said, uh, O-Sensei to me is the big sensei or the sensei who's been around a lot more, knows a lot more and has done a lot more. And I said to Hanshi Burkowski, I'm not sure if that's right or not. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And he said, that's 100% right. And he said, Sensei McCall is definitely big. Okay, we just talked about it. He's six foot five. And he said he's definitely been around for a long time. And his karate is definitely very, very good. So that's right from uh, Hanchi Cesar Burkowski. Uh, the first time I met him was when I was a legacy student. And I competed in the Higashi Cup, since the Shane Higashi Cup, which is the Inner University Championships. And I'm happy to say that Western won that, uh, that year that I went. Because when I talked to Sensei McCall recently, I said, do you remember when we met? And he said, I was just looking at the Hagashi Cup where Western was the last one to win. And I think you were on that team. And I said, yeah, I was. <laughs> right? So, so that, was, that was great. Um, you know, I want to say that you can always judge somebody by the company that they keep. And uh, Sensei McCall is friends with some of the people that we love and respect the most. People like uh, Sensei Dave Tchaikovsky, Sensei Conrad Copeland and uh, Sensei Adette Rice. Uh, Sensei Rice put one of my favorite humans about Sensei McCall on, on our post. Um, and to me, a couple of things I want to say, words that I that jump to mind when I think of Sensei McCall, skilled, dedicated, honest. You're not going to find a more honest human being than Sensei McCall. Obviously, you can already tell, super friendly, not joking, tall. And uh, one of the words that always comes to mind when I think of Sensei McCall is karateka. Just he is a karateka. So that's my introduction for Sensei McCall. Thanks so much, Sensei Dauphin. Um, So for everybody watching, by the way, what an awesome turnout. We got, a, we got a great crew with us. If you're not watching us live right now, that means you're watching on YouTube after the fact or listening to one of our podcasts. We're grateful to have you listen and uh, hit that smash, uh, the, the, the subscribe and the like buttons. But for the people who are here tonight, we want you to be a part of this living history. So at the bottom of the screen, there's a chat button that Robert just illuminated. Please enter your questions for our guests there. 
and, and assuming your questions aren't rat shit, we will pose them to our guests. Um, and if they are, you'll be banned from the show uh, for all future episodes. Um, we'll discuss, there'll be a tribunal. Um, you're also listening to adults talk. You're listening to adults talk about their own experiences, their own thoughts and feelings. And if you don't like any of it, look for the similarities, not the differences. Sorry, Sensei Suino, I'm running with that one tonight. He likes when I'm more of a, a dick about it. Um, so we've lost our guest for a sec, you know, with internet connectivity and stuff, but he brought up something that I actually wanted to go around the horn on. So I think this is a great chance to throw the question out. Be as hard as the world makes you, be as soft as the world allows. So I'll start with you, Hanchi Legacy. Um, does karate let you be softer? And is that one of the goals? Karate gives you the ability to go through the whole gambit. Mm. You know, you're allowed to have your choice. You can be tough if you have to be, but mainly, you know, it's like I've had it, had it happen to me several times where people want to start some type of a confrontation. You can easily deflect it, just mm. turn it off. You know, but then there are other times where uh, remember one time there was a lady, and this is on a physical level, but I'm trying to give you that idea, being threatened by this guy who was who was inebriated, he was drunk, and I, I just said, simply said to him, look, if you don't leave now, I'm going to spank you in front of all these people, and the guy left. So... Uh, and there's a lot more to it than just the physical part, but it's just to give you, it's just to give you an idea. Yeah. You know, you can be that way. It's better to be kind, and it's better to help other persons. And that's mm -hmm. all what really martial arts is. But if there comes an event where you need to protect someone, you have to be ready for that as well. So it's the whole gambit. Martial arts mm. is an art, and an art is something that works 90% of the time for you, every time. Mm. I don't know where you want Sensei, to go with that. But just, just I, I love that. that I, yeah, I really want to crack that idea open. Sensei Suino, you know, um, how much softer can you get over time, or is that something you want to do? Yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, if, you're, if your fist, if your hand is frozen in this shape of a fist 100% of the time, that's a deformity. You have to be able to open your hand, right? And in life, you must have both. You have to live the spectrum. I think that uh, training, uh, severe training in a, for a lifetime in martial arts allows you to live the spectrum. You can be hard mm. when you need to, and you can be soft when you want to. Yeah. Sensei Dauphin? Listen, I just uh, fought for an hour and something in here, since Legacy was watching. Maybe one or two people I was hard on. The rest of the people I'd say I was pretty soft on them while I was fighting with them. Right. And since Legacy even said to me, they think they're doing good because you're taking it easy on them. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess as martial artists, we get to choose, right? Like that's what training gives you. It gives you the, it gives you the choice to choose to be soft or hard. You get to decide. Um, yeah. Whereas other people that don't train, they don't get to choose. It's forced, it's thrust upon them. They got to run and be soft and weak or 
they got to fight for their life and not know how to do it. Right. The world's going to thrust it upon you. But I guess when you train, you get to decide which, which side of the coin you want to take, or you get a better chance of deciding, I guess. Yep. Well, we talked about the psychology once when somebody was going, fuck you, this, that. And I said, how far do you want to take this? And he goes, as far as you want. And I looked over at my like Marine hunting knife and my sword and my like literally right there. And I just said, you're not going to appreciate this, but I'm going to go. And that's a really good thing for you. And he said, fuck you, screw you. And I told you about it since. And I was like, he'll never understand that I actually did choose to leave that. And he goes, they, they don't and they won't. But it was an interesting moment to go, yeah, like that was a 100% choice of like, I'm not going to pull out a knife because some guy's yelling, but literally could. And that's not even a karate thing. That's just a literally a knife right there thing, allegedly, in my track, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Um, I like the idea, too, of, um, you know, you're not choosing peace if you can't fight. Like you're not actually a pacifist because if you can't fight, that's a default and you can't even define yourself as that because there's no part of it that is a choice. Let's hear from Sensei McCall what he thinks about all that. Is he on your screen? He is. Um, he has been dropped from the call. So uh -oh. Robbie was trying to get him back. Well, he's gone. So do that. Let's, we can keep talking about that. I know uh, Sensei McCall has gone up to uh, his second residence and maybe the internet is not as strong there. What's, uh, oh, I'm getting messages now. Um, <laughs> I see, while we're waiting for him, I'm gonna be improvisational and I'm gonna say, um, if Sensei Copeland is willing to jump on the screen for a second, because he has the most knowledge of Sensei McCall, mm. can we turn his camera on for a second? Is he willing to do that, Robbie? Oh, Sensei Copeland. Hey. Can't hear you. Ask to unmute. How about now? How about now? Is this better? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, good morning. Good to see you guys. You look lovely, like always. <laughs> Not as lovely as you, Sensei. Um, wow. I have a question for you. Do you remember the first time you, while we're waiting for Sensei McCall to get back, do you remember the very first time you laid eyes on Sensei McCall? Um, it, it would have to have been the, the transition I made from Windsor to train in Hamilton uh, with Sensei, Sensei Warner. And I remember... We had uh, Sensei McCall. There was a couple other, uh, Greg Miller, um, uh, a couple other tall, you know, big stature fellows at the dojo. But Sensei McCall was the was the senior guy. He was at the corner of the room as they lined up in like an L shape. And uh, I said to myself, I remember saying to myself, "Holy crap, that guy is big." <laughs> but but that just gave me more reason to stay there because challenges was always good, you know. But uh, that's when I first started to go to Hamilton. Um, he was on the floor running the show. And that was quite a few years ago. We've since become great friends. 
I think uh, the last time you saw him was the last time I saw him, if I'm not uh, mistaken, Sensei. Uh, no, I've seen him. I've seen him since then. You know, we've 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 hung out. You know, at different functions because because you know I have Alleged, uh, allegedly. You're not supposed <laughs> to do that. You're not supposed to do that during COVID. So allegedly. Uh, allegedly, allegedly, absolutely for sure. Yes, but. Um, He's always, like you said, he's always a gentleman and a great martial artist for sure. I mean, we've we've competed together, we've competed against each other, we've been to tournaments. He's a strong, strong competitor. And yes, when you go to fight, yeah, you engage. You're not you're not doing cat and mouse game. You engage, and then the winner comes out, not free and clear, bruised and experienced. <laughs> yeah is benson still on this call because i feel like we might have just lost him too i think he's gone the hell? <laughs> <laughs> okay this That's... is the incredible shrinking punch kick choke chat <laughs> <laughs> yeah the incredible shrinking that's what we're going to call this episode um, you better hold on to sense of legacy there keep grabbing yeah, by exactly, the arm <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey sense copeland do you remember seeing uh sense mccall do anything like uh outstanding anything jump out in your mind like i mean yeah. when i think of you i remember like certain things you did i remember watching you compete in hamilton i remember being in your dojo on uh, on university <laughs> avenue i definitely remember this uh, your foot coming up to the side of my head when i was green belt like i remember seeing that for a brief moment do you remember anything about sensei mccall absolutely i mean probably one of the things that stood out the most is we were competing in uh in new york and we were at, I think it was, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Sensor Legacy would know this guy. Um, Macaron? No, Peter, Peter somebody, Peter. Peter Urban? No, not Peter Urban. Um, but we had this, we had this uh, competition in this big arena in New York. And Sensor McCall was in the ring doing his bow kata. And in one of the moves where he did a side strike, the bow, I mean, we're talking about a bow, not, not the toothpick, a bow. And he hit that, he hit it and cranked it so hard that it actually, the end of it broke and flew out of the ring into the audience. And I'm like, oh my God, that was so amazing. Do you know how hard, how strong you have to be to put a, you know, a stop on that, strike to get that thing to fly it was amazing so i mean part of the event that we did he's you know where he competes we usually end up winning but that was one of those things that stood out um to this day and this was this was so many years ago so i really appreciate that sense of Copeland, and i saw sense mccall pop back on but now he's disappeared again so oh, he, it's, it's almost it's like the internet, right? Like if you Google Sensei McCall's name, you'll find nothing on the internet, right? Like if you don't know him, you're not going to learn anything about him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Benson, you're back. I'm back. So I, you know, I didn't mention that I'm down in Los Angeles right now and um, I've had great internet until now. So uh, we've got some gremlins. <laughs> uh, anyways, this is one of my joys with this show is the ability to do it from different places. Uh, so he's in his second home and I'm in 
what I consider to be my second home, this city. So, oh my God, did we just lose Sensei Suino? <laughs> no, he's just joking around. I knew, he, I knew that. I saw his screen blank out. And it was like, oh, he went around. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Sean, uh, uh, Sensei Suino has called this the incredible punch kick chat, choke chat shrinking podcast. Oh, there he is. Call is back now. Yeah. I'm back. Fantastic. Okay, I'll leave. See it. <laughs> no, no, don't leave. I want to hear what you had to say. <laughs> That's no, it. I was just talking about your bow cutter in New York City where you broke your bow and it went flying off into the crowd. You remember that? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> My worry was it's it split. It almost split. So it was like a knife edge. And I was I was afraid to turn around thinking that it was still gonna be stuck in somebody. <laughs> Do you remember who the host of that tournament was? I can't remember. Um, I, I can see him with long, you know, grayish long or kind of grayish long hair, but tall. Uh, I'm thinking somebody, Peter, Peter, somebody. Hmm. You're younger than me, so you should remember this. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, know, we're just saying that one of the things that stuck out in my mind, you know, when I recall some of the events that we've been at, uh, was that one, that, that, that competition in New York. That was pretty awesome. We're in a boxing room when that happened. We've been to some good ones, that's for sure. I think one of the ones you'd remember when we were at the World Championships at uh, Disney World in Florida. All right. right? Oh, my and, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, con- I understand contact. I understand. There was uh, 12 teams. That's 24 people. 12 teams of paramedics at that uh, tournament. Every one of them was busy. There were people, there were people lying everywhere. And this was, it was like incredible. And it happens, but I got to also start looking at the corner referees and the judges and so forth and saying, guys, are you calling the contact? Are you, you know, <laughs> telling the fighters to be under control sort of thing? Yeah. Did Those Mickey were different Mouse, days. Did Mickey Mouse or Pluto or uh, Tinkerbell compete or was it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it was all the bad characters. Brutus. <laughs> Brutus. <Yeah. laughs> Is, is that um, the tournament where you push my teeth in? No, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's hear about that. Let's hear about yeah. that. Let's hear, like, before we let uh, Sensei Copeland go and we get back to Sensei McCall, I would love to hear the two of you dialogue about this where uh, Sensei McCall pushed your teeth in. No, no, he, did, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't punch him in. He didn't punch him in. I think I got punched in the fight and... Um, he was on the side. I think he was coaching me actually, and they were loose. My two front teeth were loose, and he actually pushed them back in and says, "Okay, the match is almost over." And I went back in and fought. <laughs> you remember? That? And I went back in. That was at the World Championships. Yeah, that was a brutal. I always brutal. wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> 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 no, but I I have a picture of. Conroy and myself, I think we were in a small Shi'i or tournament in London, right? right? And we're fighting and somebody took the picture just as you threw a sweep and my my left foot's going in the wrong direction. I'm losing balance and the punch is coming in. (laughs) 
That was Ken Talek's uh, Shi'i. I remember that. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, I, I look at Conroy and I think he, to me, he's ageless. And mm. I don't know, Randy, if you were there at one of uh, uh, Dave Tarkovsky's tournaments, but uh, Conroy was fighting, I'm trying to remember who it was, somebody from Hamilton for the Grand Championship. And uh, he was a more of a contemporary fighter. And he came in too close to Conroy. Conroy swept him, took him down and punched him, right? It was like old school <laughs> to win it. Because I think it was 4-4 at that point and that ended up 5-4 for uh, Mr. Copeland. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I want to say, Sensei McCall, is everybody on this call loves Sensei Copeland's smile. So thank you so much. We <laughs> 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 all like his smile. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off topic here a minute. So we're back. At, we're up at the cottage outside of uh, Perry Sound right now. A couple of weeks ago, we're running the dogs out in the bush on a hydro cut, and I get a phone call in the middle of the bush, and you know who it was? Sensei Copeland. Yes, it was Sensei Copeland. He says that hey, these guys want you to go on. Uh, punch, kick, choke, and chat, da, 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 all this sort of stuff. And he says, by the way, I love you, but I love your wife more. <laughs> <laughs> Made her smile. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you say that because we just did this big training camp where Sensei Copeland was teaching and uh, my partner, my wife, came and gave him a big hug and he said, you're my second favorite person. <laughs> you know who my favorite person is? And she said, oh, yeah, I know who the favorite person is. <laughs> this stuff is getting around, man. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All your tricks are coming out. So your tricks. All your tricks. Out. I'm out of it, man. Like, hello. You're going you're gonna to be banned from seminars, except unless it's all males, right? No kidding. <laughs> Maybe that's your master plan. <laughs> awesome. Copeland, thank you so much all right take care guys enjoy awesome yeah. much love thank and respect you. thank you sensei you got it good to see you phil good to see you um sensei mccall you missed the intro so i rarely tell a guest they have to go rewatch the show they're in although we <laughs> encourage it because we won't get that view count up but you need to go rewatch the show because sensei gofat and sensei copeland said some just incredible things about you and then oh. let's just jump back in because um you know i i i actually dropped off the call for a sec as well um what brought you into your first dojo uh what was it like growing up for you before that and what kept you there you know, sometimes I think you shouldn't be too honest when people, I, I went into the uh, dojo for one reason. I like to fight. Mm. <laughs> I like, I like physical contact. Um, I just, and I thought this was great. So I, I get there at the dojo and I think uh, training a few weeks, I think, okay, I want to get better. So um, I, I looking around, I see a black belt. And uh, I said, would you want to spar? Right? So I'm a white belt. Right? So, and I'm bigger than him, but it, this guy kicked, right? And he was, he, he really did the job on me. But what happened, why he did the job was because I at least, I knew how to throw a sweep and he came in and I swept. Well, our egos are such that no white belt's going to sweep me. I'm going to teach him a lesson. 
So I, next day I go into the dojo and I go to Sunset Warner. I said, I'd like some shin pads. He said, what do you want shin pads for? I, I just need some shin pads. And so he gives me the shin pads. I buy them and I put them on my arms because my arms are black and blue from being kicked the night before. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I just, I love the camaraderie. I love the fact that um, we work together. Um, there wasn't, Eagles weren't part of it. We just all wanted to be better. Mm. There were Friday night classes. Um, and then we'd, after Friday night, about 10 or 12 of us would get together and we just kick the bag. We could surround the bag of each guy to try and kick it harder than the next guy. Um, there was just a real sense of we're doing something together, right? And it happens to be karate. And we're all getting better and we're getting to know each other. We travel places. Um, it was that sort of, there was a home there. And I think the more you make dojos like that, that welcome everybody and give everybody an opportunity to exceed and become the best that they can become, um, everybody benefits, right? From just the contact, the meeting of each other and the skills you develop and, and the training. And that's what got me there. And that's what kept me there to so this how day. how old were you? And then old, also- how old were you when you went in there? 24. About 24. <laughs> and um, talk, talk to us about the people in the room, you know, Sensei Warner, tell us a bit about him and what the classes were like and what the feel and how that all was. Well, it was really interesting because our classes when I first started were two and a half hours, mm. right? And uh, I've, I hear today that... California, there are classes that are 30, 35 minutes. I don't, I, we did, we did 20 minutes of stretching, right? Before we even got to basics. Right? So it was, it was a different animal there. Um, and it, it was the one thing that really struck me about that dojo on 1109 Main Street in Hamilton was that Sensei brought in people from everything, every walk of life. I mean, he brought in martial artists, he brought in yogi, yogis, he brought in hypnotists. And these were seminars we had. So we were just, it wasn't about just punch and kick, right? It was about everything, all different styles, uh, Screma, you know, uh, Shotokan would come in from England, Jim Wilson. Um, it was, uh, um, Wally Slokey came in. Uh, it gave an unbelievable seminar. I can remember it to this day. A great friend of mine, Joe Perry was there, one of the, probably the, one of the best fighters in the dojo. And he's, he, uh, Sensei Sloki was showing him some techniques. And I remember Sensei Sloki reaches down like he's going to touch his foot. And Joe's looking at him. All of a sudden, Sensei Sloki's foot, his foot, is around Joe's head. And it, it, was, it was amazing to people. That era, uh, there were so many great fighters, so many great uh, technicians that would come and disseminate information for I mean, I think we were paying $10 a seminar or something like that. You do a three hour seminar. We had Sensei Urban came up from New York several times. I mean, you might, I mean, some people thought he was a little bit on the edge on some things, but he had great seminars. One seminar he taught, he said, okay, everybody has to bring a five gallon milk jug in. Remember those plastic milk jugs? Mm -hmm. We sparred with those. We put them in our hands and we started sparring with those. It was, it was crazy. 
but it it was great because the sound, you know, all this stuff was amazing. Then he, I think the next time he came up, he said, we're doing a sweep seminar. Everybody has to bring a broom. So <laughs> you're sort of thinking, oh, what the is this, right? But you held the broom out like this and the, the soft end was the end of it and you swept it with your foot, right? To learn how to come around and take that broom out. Crazy stuff, but it worked. And it kept us, all of us kept it, we were interested. Um, we may have thought it was a little strange, but we were there in the dojo and everybody was doing it. It was great, it was great. And that's what, you know, those, those things, those, those uh, the little Shi'is, the tournaments we all went to, that's what kept everybody there. I mean, there was a core group in that dojo, as I'm sure in Sensei Legacy's dojo and Randy's dojo, and all your dojos, there's a core group that sort of is the glue and it draws people in. They want to be part of that group, mm. right? And no matter what the skill level is, they, they still want to be part of that group. They want to fit in. And the people in that group, that core group, have most times are really giving. They help them, right? And that's what it makes it stronger and stronger and stronger. And I don't know if all dojos are like that today. I know probably your dojos are like that. My dojo's like that. Um, we get together, uh, not only for seminars and this sort of thing, but we, I bring everybody out to my house. I got a large property. We train outside, we have a barbecue, um, you know, and <laughs> you develop, you develop, yeah, you, <laughs> you develop, you develop, you know, sort of a bond, which is, which is perfect. I love that. That's, that's what got me there. That's what keeps me here. And that's what I keep doing. <laughs> Sort of thing. We love some good barbecue, said some McCall. Like, if you ever like, and we're willing to travel for good barbecue, <laughs> we'll, we'll drive for me. But you, you, one one thing, one thing you gotta know, yeah, one thing you gotta know. I don't eat meat, <laughs> so mine's all vegetables. But I get my students; I, they can bring their meat in, or I can buy whatever they want, <laughs> cook it for them. <laughs> that's why you have a youthful glow because you don't eat meat. <laughs> no, that's probably wine. <laughs> Ah, nice. <laughs> yes. Um, Sensei, normally we kick over the 10 questions around this time, but I actually want to jump into a question from Sensei Shea, Justin Shea, one of our black belts. And okay. he says, I just, uh, because you fell off a little, let's, let's push the questions a moment. As someone who has seen the benefits of martial arts in the university setting, what are your thoughts on having some sort of classical militaristic requirement for all citizens of a country? Well, Switzerland does it. Um, Switzerland's a pretty amazing place. I've been there. Um, our country of Canada, I'm speaking now, and the United States too. Um, we've we're a microcosm. We bring a lot of people in. You know, it's a it's a melting pot. Um, it might be an interesting concept. That might be more of an interesting concept. Uh, teaching it in university, but not everybody goes to university. That's what Japanese did, and, and uh, I, Anko Itoso in, in Okinawa, he introduced karate into the, uh, the school system there. Um, yeah, I, I, there, there's benefits for sure about uh, becoming a group, training as a group, working as a group, and, you know, uh, having a leader, learning to lead, 
those things are all there. So that's sort of my roundabout way of saying, yeah, there's benefits to it for sure. Uh, how you go about it, how you make that work, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think from North American standpoint, people like to be individualistic. I know, and I'll jump back here for a second. I know uh, when I read uh, uh, Sensei Urban's book, his first book, um, The Karate Dojo, there's a section that says, once you start training karate, your life will be changed forever. Well, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm saying, well, no, I, I'm going to be who I am forever, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> he was right. I was wrong, right? Your life does change. So I think any type of training that instills respect for one another um, within an education system and a system of self-defense so you are confident is a win-win for everybody. The whole, the, the whole public wins on that one, for sure. Sensei Suino, our American brother who would have been coming of age on the heels of a draft, what are your thoughts on compulsory military service? Ooh, that's a <laughs> tough one. Um, because to be quite honest, there's a lot of people you probably don't want in your military. Um, <laughs> right? Um, I guess, you know, if they're conscripts and they're going to do the work, you got to, I mean, the beauty of the, of the military, at least as far as I understand it in the U.S., is it's a system that's, that's highly evolved. So you can plug people in who maybe um, um, are missing half the Lego set. They can still, they can still get along. Um, uh, you got, I think to be a, a complete human being, you need a formative experience whether that's in the military, whether it's going off on adventures around the world, or we get to do it in a dojo, yeah. right? So um, it doesn't have to be compulsory military service, but you can definitely transform people by having them go through something like a decade of karate. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sensei Dofan? Listen, most of the constructs that have been created by humans, like religion, politics, economics, are just agreed upon things for us so, so we can trust people, right? Oh, you're a Catholic, I'm a Catholic, we can get along. Oh, you're a Democrat, I'm a Democrat, we can get along. Oh, you, I actually, Justin, that question came because I actually talk about this sometimes with him, but I think the benefit of compulsive, compulsory military training would be that every citizen would have something to relate to another human being in their country about whether you are a Navy SEAL or just the person who ordered toilet paper. You had to go through basic training. You had to do all this stuff. And listen, I would ask everybody on this call. It's a question I would ask everybody. Anybody who's done five to seven years of martial arts training, would you trust them more than somebody else? Would you relate to them more? Would you feel closer to them or not? I'll, I'll ask any, you can, you can shoot that around as much as you want, Sean. I'd be interested to know. Yeah, I mean, I'll start. I mean, I, I obviously would. And then in sobriety, we have the same idea. Like I would hire somebody who's sober in recovery over an equivalent person who's not because I understand the tenets upon which they've based their decision-making, their sense of self. And since Sweeno said it, it's a fucking formative experience. And if somebody gets through that, there's nothing the job will present them with that even compares. So I know they're up to any task. 
Um, Hanchi Legacy, I'll, I'll throw Sensei Dauphin's question back to you. Um, compulsory military service, and obviously, you know, would you trust someone more who's a five to seven year martial artist or not? <laughs> well, I would tend to say that you had 10 people in the room and two of them were martial artists. They would probably somehow start moving towards each other. Just, mm. but then there's, there's whether he was from a classical school or reputable school or whatever. But uh, I, think, I think that it brings a lot of things in common. And um, in school, for instance, uh, like, like Anko Itosu, when he put it into the public schools, that I think that probably did a lot in helping the children mature and to uh, step up uh, and be accounting for themselves as opposed to never have done it, right? Where now, um, mm -hmm. Sometimes the children run the parents because they don't know how to handle them more. They send them to us to learn that, to learn the discipline, right? You see that every day. Parents standing at the doorway because they want you to help discipline their children. And then after that, they couldn't believe that you did it. They're like, even <laughs> they can't believe that you, their child actually stood in line. Just simply that. So. I would have to say it wouldn't do any harm. Mm. And then um, oh, we'll, we'll end on you, Sensei McCall, but Sensei Sweeney, we didn't touch on the idea of just, you know, do you have an inherent trust in martial artists, more or less? Well, uh, let me continue to play the devil's advocate. Um, there are a number of martial arts systems out there that I think uh, are uh, create delusions in their practitioners. And I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'd have the same level of trust. So somebody that did judo for seven years, somebody that came from the legacy system for seven years, right? Uh, a hard charging, realistic martial art. I suspect I'd have a lot in common with those people. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, so without naming any specific martial artists or arts, um, if someone says to me that they can knock over opponents without touching them, we're probably <laughs> going to have a few disagreements. <laughs> right. So then I guess... If there was mandatory military compulsory training, that would be a national system and it would be the system, right? So then that would be the system. That would be the good system. And let's just pretend it was legacy Shonru or JMAC system, right? So then we would all trust them. Everybody would have something to relate to. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interject there, but... Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, and real quick, before I go to Sensei McCollum, on the street yesterday, hyper busy area of LA, dude walks up to me, he goes, hey man, what, uh, what motorbike's that? And I'm like, that's a Yamaha MT-07. And you know, I'm a bit of an ambassador for motorcycles. So I'm really taking my time with him and I'm showing him around the bike. And I notice his ears and I'm like, you roll brother? He's like, yeah. I was like, where at? He goes, a uh, guy up in the valley. I haven't been there for a couple of years because my teacher moved downtown, Jean-Jacques Machado. I got my black belt with him. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? We're like, we're bros now. I'm going by a shop tomorrow. Like, this is literally just plucking the cartilage in his ear and realizing that we have literally ground ourselves on the same mats. And I trust that guy now, I'm, you know, like as far as that goes. Um, Sensei McCall? Well, I, I want to go back to Nick's uh, 
comment there about not mentioning martial artists. <laughs> there's, a, there's a quote from uh, Choki Motobu that says, nothing is more harmful to the world than a martial art uh, that is not effective in actual self-defense. So <laughs> that's his quote. And, you know, anybody that trains in a dojo and will limit it to what we consider dojos and karate, true karate, right? They bow and come on the floor. I've got an instant bond for them. They're having, they show respect for where they are. They show respect for the people that are in there. So there's a, there's a connection. There's an immediate connection. We, he may be a lesser skill or greater skill. Um, I may not necessarily like the style he does or not uh, like his sensei. It doesn't matter, right? There's a bond that's immediately there um, that you can start to build more trust with or develop trust with. And it's, it's, it's something that um, you'll never lose. Like when you're talking to that guy about motorcycles, right? It's bang, it's right there, you got it. You immediately connect, right? And it's the same with martial arts. Mm -hmm. You know, a sensei book called Demora Sensei, when we had, we had uh, Sensei Fumio Demora on this yep. podcast, and he said, uh, I consider all karateka family, even yeah. you guys, even you guys, <laughs> that's what he said, <laughs> right? So like, so yeah, I think he, in short words, said exactly what you just said, right? Like all the karate, and you know, since, you know, in judo, there's a well-established practice of a judo guy comes in the dojo and they're honest and they want to roll with you and they want to train with you. That's something that's really known about judo. You're welcomed into the dojo and you're welcome to come on the floor and train. Am I wrong or am I right? You're right. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. And, and I, that's pretty much true in the BJJ world now too. Yeah. Yeah. I think at one time um, we were closed, different styles were, you know, Shizuru is better than Gojuru or vice versa or Shotokan or, or, or whatever. I think that's that sort of melting away and going back to what it originally was. Uh, in Okinawa, um, Funakoshi would go over to uh, um, uh, Miyagi's dojo, his students, they would change, they would exchange information. Uh, Funakoshi didn't like Motobu, but I mean, that was okay. They could probably go over there, exchange some information, go back and forth. And I think that's happening more and more. People are willing to look at different things and say, and sort of push the politicalized style names away and train more with each other. And like, you know, get together, hey, look at this technique. What do you think of this? Oh, look at this one, back and forth. I think that's really important. I think that that builds a stronger relationship and also builds stronger martial arts as well. I think you're right, Sensei McCall, and you already have referenced uh, uh, Master Itosu Yatsutsune, mm -hmm. and uh, that new book that's come out about, I would encourage people to read that book if you haven't, because even they talk about Miyagi Chojin, when Itosu is very old, at least going once a week or once a month and sitting with Itosu and just discussing karate and helping mm -hmm. to inform his thinking of what karate was. And that's a Shorin Ryu uh, master talking with the founder of Goju Ryu. So it can't not be influencing each other. It, yeah. it can't not. And it can't not be like <laughs> Sensei Benson said it at the beginning, right? Like, let's focus on the similarities, not the differences. 
Yeah. And the differences are very small. They're not, the differences have been over time have gotten bigger and bigger and they're not, they're not really that big. The difference, two hands, two feet, how many different things can you do, right? I mean, you might come at a different angle. You might have the fist, whatever, but we're, we're human beings. I mean, basically it's gonna all be the same stuff with slight variations. Yeah, I, Sensisrino and I have talked about stuff like this too, like in Iaido, it's like, okay, well, there's all these different styles of Iaido. And I know Sensisrino trains in a few different styles, even though Mukso Jigden Ishin Ryu is our core style. Um, but in the end, you got the same katana in your hand. It's got the same pointy end and the same sharp side. <laughs> yeah. And one person lives and one person dies, right? Like, I mean, it's... <laughs> um, Sensei McCall, it is time the 10 questions. Uh -oh. This is your chance to answer as impulsively as you can, but then please feel free to expand your answers as you wish. Uh-oh is right. Okay. Here it comes. What is the most effective move in your martial arts arsenal? Front snap kick to the groin. As I'm older, the yeah. kicks come down, you see. Yeah. Also, if you don't know, since we call six foot five, and so like <laughs> that snap cook is coming from a, like a far distance, and mm -hmm. it's a big foot hitting you in the groin. But <laughs> sorry, Sean. Actually, <laughs> actually, now as I'm as I'm getting older, I like I like kicking to the knees and to the to the the hip. I like that a lot so from some of the bunkai I've been learning and practicing. Um, who is the most influential martial artist in your life? Well, first of all, Sensei Warner. That's number one right there for me. Um, and then after that, it would be Oh Sensei Kim and Professor Jay's in there. So, I mean, I've, I've, it's going to be a list and I'm not going to... I'll keep them on one level plane, right? I'm not going to say number one, number two, number three, because there's been so many people. I mean, um, just an amazing number of people that have been there for me in different at different capacities. So, yeah, yeah. Fumio Demura, I had seminars with him, and he was he was amazing, man, amazing. Man. So, and Peter Urban. <laughs> so there you go. I, I, stop me now. <laughs> Sensei, like, I just love it. Saying, he's saying, like, I trained with him. I trained with him. All the names you're mentioning, Legacy, he's like, I trained with him. I trained with that guy, too. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, Sensei Legacy, I think there was a period, and I, I'll say in Ontario, where there are people coming in here to all these dojos that, as history is now showing us, we just, we had an amazing number of high high quality martial artists and giving us so much information it was just unbelievable unbelievable since in the call yes you think is the most influential martial artist of all time and why okay i'm gonna say uh, and this has just been in my recent studies uh choki motobu um uh, Gichin Funakoshi didn't like him because he called him a thug. Uh, he 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 would work out his techniques and then he would go to um, the, 
the well in in Shuri in Shuri uh, Okinawa, he would go to the the red light district and the bars, and he 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 get in a fight and he test his techniques. Um, that's back then. I mean now you don't want to necessarily do that, but I think what I'm learning now, what I what I appreciate from him is that he made his techniques and worked out his his techniques to be as effective as possible. He wasn't interested in uh, how high his kick was. He wanted techniques that flowed from one to the other and solved the problem immediately. It wasn't going to be a five, three minute rounds. It was going to be over with mm -hmm. right then and there. And I, you know, and he, he everything was in the kata, in the bunkai and the kata. It was all there. So I, and I just, as I've learned that more and more, I go back and I look at my katas and I look at trying to work with the bunkai um, because a lot of the stuff wasn't written down. But right now, that's who I'm most, most uh, driven to follow at the moment. Um, what excites you most about the next five years of your training? Wow. Um, seeing that I had two years off or almost two years off of COVID, um, I think what excites me is new students, um, seeing new ideas, seeing that enthusiasm with new students coming in. That's what keeps me going uh, to the dojo every day. It also makes me feel like I'm not as old as I am because I'm, I'm working. I think all of us who work with younger people, you, you never look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, look at how old I am now. Right. Maybe you do look in the mirror and say, wow, I am looking old. But you just you go into that dojo and you just get that energy. It's like somebody's giving you a shot every time you go in. And that just that's what I'm excited about for the next five years. New students, new techniques, learning more and more all the time. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you get there? <laughs> that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I would like to know, and I got there, like the samurai, they used to say with the samurai before he died, he'd look over his shoulder to make sure he left nothing undone. Everything was completed. And if I get there and he's there to welcome me, he, I'd like to hear him say, you got it all done. Mm. Do you have a favorite film and television martial artist? <laughs> favorite television film martial artist. You know what? I like Jackie Chan because he doesn't take himself too seriously. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> he can laugh at himself. And at the same time, somebody that does the stunts he does. Um, is there a martial artist living or dead in all of recorded history that you'd like to train with the most? I can only name one, eh? It'd be Chokimotobu. Like. Okay, Chokimotobu, Ichin Funakoshi, Shogun Miyagi. <laughs> Just write that, that whole line right down there. All those, all those all those masters that came out of Okinawa. 
if everyone in the world could have the greatest benefit you've gotten from martial arts, whether they train or not, what martial or what benefit would they be getting? Confidence and health. Mm. And the last two questions come as a pair. What is your greatest achievement and your greatest regret? Wow. <laughs> greatest achievement. Becoming a black belt. Shodan. Greatest regret. Probably could have trained harder. And I trained a lot, but could have trained harder. We got a question for you <laughs> from Robert Shlumsky, one of our one of our crew on the show. Um, what is your advice for building and maintaining a quality dojo in this day and age? Great question. It's a super question. Make sure you know everybody's name, first thing, <laughs> right? Second thing is always smile and always help, right? And if they've got a question, and even though you're busy and you got to do something, they've got a question, you answer the question. That's, that's the bottom line right there all the time. Help them, encourage them, and know their name. It's funny you see that McCall because uh, – so Robert Slumsky will know that if you look on the whiteboard over here, when new students come in, we write their names on the board so that the instructor can look over at the board and call them by name rather than saying to them over and over again, what is your name again? Sorry, what is your name again? What is your name again? That's mostly for me because I'm, I've punchy, I'm punchy and I can't remember the names anymore, right? So I've, I've always threatened to get hello, I'm, and put their name on stickers and stick it on their G's. Right. <laughs> um, Sensei Sweden, let's throw that question to you. Let's go around the horn on this before we go around the horn and say goodnight. Um, your advice for building and maintaining a quality dojo in this day and age? Oh, a lot more work than most people think. Oh. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. uh, yes. Welcome everybody in. Let them start where they want to start and bring them along to where you want them to be. Um, be a thought leader. Train as hard as you can based on your age and physical limitations. Find ways to inspire people. And I solve the name problem by giving people nicknames as soon as possible. Because for some reason, I never forget the nicknames. <laughs> uh, that's the best one. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> what I got. Hanchi um, uh, Legacy, to, uh, to, to build and maintain a quality dojo. Um, I, you know, I'm not much of a business guy. This guy does all the work for me. But you know what? I looked at myself to actually build something up is don't send your students anywhere, lead them to where you want them to go so that they have a good example. And, and that everything else will take care of itself, but that's once they're on the floor. 
Some people send, send the students to tournaments and different like right. that. But if you bring them there, you lead them and becomes more of, uh, you know, more instinctive. When they see their sensei do it. They're looking for leadership from their senses. Love that. I wrote that down. Don't send them, lead them. Sensei Dauphin? We all know ourselves. So Sensei McCall knows himself, Sensei Suino, Sensei Legacy. I know myself. Uh, so I think it's really important that you're authentic about who you are. Because we all know it's not actually the style, it's the teacher that you come in. And if you get a good teacher, you're going to get the benefits, whether it's BJJ, Judo, Iaido, Karate, whatever it is. So, so be authentic and be honest. Don't, don't mislead people. Um, I think today it's, uh, I've thought about this a lot since we had Grandmaster Corley, Joe Corley on this, when he said, when people walk in the door, don't tell them what you're going to give them, ask them what they want. Right, like the first question is ask them what they want to get from martial arts. You know, you're going to get the same answers over and over again. I want to be confident. I want to be a better fighter, uh, like whatever that is. But it's still good to ask them with a question of what they want. And then I guess last for me would be know your market, right? Like mm. what is your, that's a pure business thing, right? What is your market? Like who, who are you appealing to, right? And what are you trying to give them? Right, like you talked about motorcycles. You like the Japanese motorcycles, Sean. I like them too, but I prefer um, North American yeah. motorcycles, American motorcycles. That's the one I got parked out there, right? So know your market, right? Like and appeal to your market. If your market is about like people feeling good and happy when they leave, then that's your market and make sure that but if your market is Sensei McCall's market or Sensei Legacy or Sensei Suino or me or you, which is, is this effective? Can you fight? Can you apply this? Make sure you're honest and authentic about that when people walk in the door. That way there's gonna be no misunderstandings um, when they put their money down and start bringing people to the dojo, right? That'd be my advice. Uh, I'm not, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to add a lot, Robert, but um, I just wrote down, and it's very much what Sensei Dovan said, I just wrote down, know what I offer. I know what I offer. I, and, and, and that's when someone asks about the club, I can tell them what they're going to get. And, and, and that, so far, is working to build our Toronto club, a student at a time, and the retention's been excellent. Um, smaller club, though, so ask me again in 10 years when it's 200 students. Um, Sensei McCall, what we do is we go around the horn, and we talk about our time with you and we share our thoughts. And then the last thoughts go to you before a little bit of housekeeping. So um, Hanchi Legacy, what do you want to say about our time tonight? It was a great time. We all, I think it was all around where classical karate, basically. And that, you know, the depth of our martial art lies in being in a lineage. And that's what I get from Sensei McCall, is that he, he's proud of his lineage, he's proud of classical karate, mm. and we all belong to that. That's where that brotherhood, it runs really deep. So, and also it's nice to get reacquainted and acquainted with you. Thanks for coming.
Thank you. Thanks, Hanji. Sensei Suino? Yeah, I just, I really, I think I laughed more in this episode than I have in a long time. So that's, <laughs> that's really nice. Um, you know, if I'm sitting around uh, at Randy's house with Hanji Legacy, and just just shooting the shit we 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 talk about the okinawan teachers so much and i think that in this episode sensei mccall you re made reference to the okinawan teachers more than i can recall on one of our episodes of punch kick choke chat and you talked about uh choking tobu you talked about funakoshi sensei you talked about Chojo miyagi that's really cool right to, to bring those names forth um uh and 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 when we're talking about the history of karate and what karate is now um it was it's a great retrospective Really enjoyed our chat. Thanks, Sensei Suino. Sensei Dopan? Listen, I want to say something. It's not necessarily first about Sensei McCall, but it's about us. We've actually gotten pretty good about, about this, right? Like the incredible shrinking podcast. It was kind of cool that like Sensei McCall lost his connection while we were introducing him. And I didn't really actually even realize that he was gone. And then all of a sudden you dropped off, Sean. And then we got Sensei Copeland on here and we kept it going. And then you got back and then Sensei McCall got back and we just kept moving on with it. And I'm like, I'm super proud we could do that. So that was kind of fun, but, uh, and that's about us. But uh, listen, Sensei McCall, I always write down a bunch of notes. Um, uh, I like what you talked about. What does karate mean to you as an essay that you asked your black belts to write? Man, it, at some point, I want to tell you about a time when I walked into Sense of Legacy's house and it was a yellow belt. And the topic was, um, you know, how has karate changed my life? And the yellow, the person, the white belt, he was laughing and it was about, I hate karate. I can't wait to get my yellow belt because my parents said I can quit. And he was laughing. And I, as soon as I read it, I started laughing. So I want to talk to you about that in the future. Um, I, I loved our chat about uh, developing black belts and not what a black belt is. We've not ever talked about that on this show yet, developing a black belt. We've talked about what a black belt is, but not developing them. And I think that was super cool. Um, I loved all the stuff we talked about with Olympic karate, fighting not to lose, imposing your will on another person with your defense. And I don't disagree with any of that. That's stuff I'm going to be thinking about. Um, as the world changes, karate uh, must change as well. Or maybe karate needs to change the world. That's one of the things that I, I started to think about, right? As, as the world changes, uh, because it made me think about when Sensei Legacy said, karate's here to change you, you're not here to change karate, right? So that's just a thought. Like, I'm not trying to be contrary, but just provide an additional thought for people. Um, I like that you said that in Kumite, it can never be clean. Yeah, like I just, I did a bunch of stuff in here tonight. None of it was like in the kata, except in little tiny snippets. Most of it was like dirty and grimy. And that's, I think, what karate actually kind of is. Um, uh, I just loved really Sensei McCall hearing you talk about fighting. Like it reminded me so much of Sensei Legacy hearing you talk about fighting. Lots of things resonate with me when I hear different karate masters talk about things. And that's definitely one. Um, 
honestly, you said like you love to fight. I love seeing you thinking of you at six foot five as a white belt with shin guards on your forearms because you, <laughs> because you want to fight more. That's everybody should fucking listen to this podcast and listen to that. Um, also, people should think about $10 for a three hour seminar with the people, the names that you mentioned. That's kind of incredible, right? I think, and I think actually, it went, I think it went up to 20 at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, now it's 50 years later, and yeah. uh, it's actually not that much more expensive relatively. I think it's like $149 now. And I always tell people, you probably drink more coffee than that from Tim Hortons and Starbucks in a week. So like, if you want to go do like a two week, two day seminar, $149 is less than the coffee that you drink every, every week. Um, I really like that you said that like an effective technique is a, a fucking shot to the nuts with your foot. Like I just, <laughs> that's the best. Um, you mentioned all these names, Don Warner, uh, O-Sensei Richard Kim, uh, Master Wally J, Professor Wally J. Like these are names I've heard about like from the very first day I walked in the dojo from Sense Legacy and it was so nice to hear you talking about them. Um, over there on my library where students can check out books, the last book I just read was Choki Matobu's book. So at some point I wanna chat with you about that in your thoughts on that because uh that practical side of bunkai i really enjoy it the last seminar i taught i took his favorite kata which is nahanshi shoden and i taught the kata but also we went through all the dirty grimy bunkai from the kata which i really enjoyed doing um i like when you said about the dojo gives you that energy and uh that that camaraderie and after you're done you're still standing around the heavy bag, kicking the heavy bag together. That's something that people need to take forward. Like every dojo should be doing that with their students, building that camaraderie. Um, man, so cool that you said, God, we say, hey, Sensei McCall, you left nothing left undone. You, you did it all. You left nothing left undone. We could all aspire to that. Um, know everyone's name and smile when they walk in the dojo. That's just such good advice. And listen, Sensei McCall, I'm, uh, I say this often, but I truly mean it. Like, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I can't wait to, I know, I know 100% our paths are going to cross again. And I can't wait to see you again. Like, I just, I can't wait to see you again. So I'm going to kick it over to Sean and then he'll take it from there. Yeah, Sensei, um, I just want to say quickly before we give you your last word, you know, I wrote down delightful and infectious and hearing you laugh as you're joyfully thinking of your next five years of training or you're joyfully thinking of those students. It's such a delight because, you know, I like the idea, take your art seriously, don't take yourself seriously. And the joy and the laughter as you're describing something you obviously take seriously is great. And then honestly, I just wrote down black belt. We so many of us join this thing to get a black belt. And then we realize when we get it, that it's the beginning. But I love that you said that's your greatest achievement. I mean, it's such a thing that society still goes, holy fuck, you're a black belt. And I love that you still hold on to that as such a significant achievement, because it is. And uh, I really like that you just made that so simple and so clear. Um, we'll do some housekeeping after, but what do you want to go out on, Sensei? Well, I, th I think right now what I want to say is, first of all, thank you. 
Um, oh, Sensei Kim always said uh, the two greatest words ever invented, um, and they probably never will uh, be changed, is thank you. So you've done a great thing here. I, I've talked to Randy uh, prior to coming on, and we said we're talking about COVID, and this is developed out of COVID. Well, it's going to go beyond that because what you're doing, um, sitting around talking is great. And now everybody else can watch this and uh, they can like it or not like it, which is great. I mean, they have that option. And I think that's that's an important thing. It's just like people might like the front kick or they don't do like the front kick or they, you know, we, we're all different, but we're all doing the same thing. Um, and wow. This has been a blast, guys. I really, really have enjoyed being on this and talking to all of you. Um, Sean, I never met you. Nick, I never met you before. Um, hey, great gentleman. Really good to talk to you. And thank you. It's our pleasure. We, I really look forward to meeting you in person, Sensei. It's going to be a great time. Um, For sure. Sensei Dofan, what do we got coming up? Okay, so first I want to say, if you don't like a front kick, I'm going to bring you over to Sensei McCall's dojo and let him give you a shot in the pills. <laughs> You'll understand why it's a good technique. Um, uh, we're going to be really, we do these shorts, right? So uh, we don't do them live. So the people who are on this call, we do these shorts. We've done one with uh, many different people. Um, so next couple of weeks, getting into the summer holidays, people are doing different things. So we're going to release some shorts. You'll see them. Look on the social network. You'll see them out there. The next person we're going to be talking to is Sensei Scott Hogarth. And uh, we're just kind of, he's got a couple of things going on right now. But mm -hmm. I, I think it's going to be at the end of this month on a Thursday on our regular time. We're just kind of going back and forth right now with what's most convenient for him. Um, he showed up at our May training camp and everybody went electric when he walked in the room. Like everybody was so excited to see him. Uh, come walking in and uh, another guy just like Sensei McCall who's been in karate from the roots in Canada and North America and it'll be really nice to hear him talk about all the same names that Sensei Legacy and Sensei McCall were just talking about yeah awesome awesome yeah we're really excited and make sure if you're watching those shorts make sure you throw in your comments we want to know what you think of those those one-offs, it's gonna be exciting to, to interact with you via that, that way. Um, I just wanna say thanks to Robert Shlumsky, to Mike Russell, to Victoria Feth, to Justin Shea, to Alden Adair and to Andre Sedeshev who run the platform of this show and they make it work for us so we can come in. We do some of the work, but they do most of the work and, and that way we can come and present our guests to you. So we're really grateful to them. It doesn't exist without them. Good night, everybody. I'm gonna go out to the Los Angeles sunshine. Ride my motorbike through the hills. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Rock and roll. Thanks so much, Sensei McCall. Thank you.